Welcome, welcome, welcome into a Tuesday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Thanks for being with us on a Tuesday. A lot to get into on the show today. Purdue with their season opener last night as the Boilermakers roll past the Sanford Bulldogs. Also, some revisionist history already with C.J. Stroud. I want to combat this because I'm already seeing it pop up, which I find ridiculous. It reminds me of another thing that uh, fans around the state have seemingly latched onto that was never true. Also, two different areas when it comes to sports and how you watch on TV. The NBA, they finally figured something out, and hopefully it'll be better if you're a Pacers fan or fan of any NBA team next season. This year, you're just going to have to deal with it. Meanwhile, the NFL is taking something I think has been a massive positive this year, and it may not be around next year. We'll get to that aspect in hour number two. Also in hour number two, the NCAA could be on the hook for billions of dollars. The latest in a court case, you may have missed this, coming down uh, late last week. Also, Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports will be with us to break down all things Notre Dame. The Irish head into their second bye week after a disappointing loss at Clemson. What happened? What's going to happen moving forward? We'll talk with Tom about all that. And before we leave you, some kangaroos are on the loose, but not in Australia. A unique location. That is not Australia. So we'll, we'll get to that uh, again at the end of the show. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. 46862. All right. So, uh, Justin, we, we've harped on this before on the show, and I know we talk about it all the time. Us harping on something? <laughs> yeah, right? That is shocking. <laughs> yeah, we would never. Never. Um, so we are both in Team Mulch. And I'm not talking mulch your flower beds. I'm talking mulch your leaves. Yes. So city leaf collection, pickup, you know, all that. It is so annoying this time of year on yep. my street when all my Just neighbors piles have piles of leaves into around the street, the street and they, the street, they get creep into the sidewalks. Yes. Blow all, yeah. They, they get frozen even at times. I mean, you just, you, you're, you people are sheep. You people are sheep. Oh yeah. Everybody's, you gotta, you gotta rake your leaves and you put them in big piles at the, at the end of the driveway. And then you get pissed off when the city doesn't pick them up. When they say they're going to pick them up. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's actually bad for your leaves for you to rake them or you to blow them into a pile. It's bad Bad for your grass. Yes. So I was out yesterday mulching my leaves Uh and I I take great pride every time I do it because I look around and my neighbors, you know, have raked all their leaves and I'm like, ha, your leaves will keep blowing back onto your yard. Mine Mine are are chopped up finally. Yeah. So good luck. I, I don't know that. why this is something that is like a hill I want to die on. Me too. But it is. Because yes. it drives me nuts every fall when every, this, when every this time, happens. All these, all these sheep out there raking their leaves into piles and putting them into the big pile. At the, like, for what? You're doing more work to hurt your yard in the long run. And you're just, you're, uh, and you're at the mercy of the city at that point. <laughs> Team Mulch Lawn Mower. Yes. yes. That, that is Thank me. Thank you, Texter. Thank you. If we can, over the course of this show, whether it lasts one more day or 10 years or whatever, if we can convert one person from being a sheep and raking their leaves to team mulch, then we have done our job. It it will be a successful show over the course of the run of this thing. That's all we're looking for. One person. Sounds like like an infomercial or like we're at a a gathering. 
Yeah, the, Call we have now. The, we have the, the, the clock at the 1 800 mulch. You know, yes. Just just break away, people. Free yourself from this 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 ridiculous ex- self imposed expectation where you have to rake your leaves. It's not necessary. It's In not fact, necessary. Uh, you're creating more work for yourself. You're doing something that's bad for your lawn. And you're waiting on the city to pick them up if and when they ever pick them up. And every car that drives by is blowing some. They're, the wind picks up. They're blowing them. They, they start getting soggy and nasty. Even when they pick them up, they just leave a, a giant stain wherever you had them if they're in the ass. Remember, the a, road. A, a pile of leaves, that is not safe for children. No, it's just grow. It just it's unnecessary. Just all we're looking at if one person. Um, that's all we're looking for. You call within the next five minutes. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it feels like. But yeah, anyway, phone just, lines are lighting up. I I had to I had to rant about this because again we talk about this all the time. And, and again, it, these are literally the recommendation is to not rake. It is to mulch. Use your mower. Make sure it has a mulch for your grass. Setting. It still goes to land and just you think, oh, it's just going and going to be um, good, good stuff to put in the landfills. It's not necessarily the best thing to put in landfills. Yeah, because well, that's really where it goes. They yeah. they take all your leaves that are collected and they throw it in the landfill. Well, that doesn't that do really anyone any good. It fills up landfills quicker. Just, yeah, just and and this is the 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 uh, the. Just the, the thing that gets to the moronic thing about leaves is like you're never done. Okay, so you're done. This next year they're gonna fall again. There's no end game here. Just mow them. Just mow them. All right. That, All we're looking uh, for is just one person, <laughs> one that, convert. That ends our rant this morning on <laughs> mulching versus mowing. Only because I mowed yesterday afternoon. It was a great day outside. It was, was kind of weird. Be another d- it was day today. Windy, and I thought it was going to rain, but it never did. It did rain at my work. It just okay. poured for like 90 seconds. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to rain, so I'm like, eh, I'm not going to mow today. And then I just kind of chilled out for a bit. And then I'm like, well, guess it hasn't rained, so I'll go out and do this. But I do need to time mine right. I only want to do it one more time. I want to empty all the gas out of the lawnmower when I do it. I want to mulch the majority of the leaves. Uh, our backyard tree still has a fair amount of leaves on it, so I'll probably wait until those are all down, and then I mow, and then I'm done, people. Our our, our neighbors must think we're crazy because we have an electric mower, which is like a lot quieter, and there's yeah. no smell, which is really nice. So like, as long as it's not like hot and you don't get sweaty, you don't have to take a shower after because you don't smell like gasoline or yeah. oil or nice. anything. And we mulch our leaves, so I, I'm sure we've really won yeah. over the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh it's a grind. We're fighting this battle one household at a time. Four six eight six two is how you reach us on the text line. All right, let's let's get into the world of sports. Last night, Monday night football. I mean the Jets, I think I, I said this to one of our coworkers down the hall who's a big Jets fan. The Jets might be the worst at the time four and three team I've ever seen. Well, now they're four and four because they got destroyed by the Chargers. Uh Chargers defense sacked Zach Wilson. Eight times in this one. That's a lot. This game was never really that close. 27 to 6. The win for Los Angeles. Again, Zach Wilson just you, you can't get sacked that many times. Justin Herbert didn't even have to do a whole lot because the defense and the special teams were so great. Um it, it helps when you get an eighty seven yard punt return early on in the game, and then your your kicker does his job and also 
you're able to just control the ball. So uh, th- this was not a close game. Not really an interesting game, I, th- I thought, on paper going into it, but yet we're going to be having the Jets forced. Gosh, forced I think they're Sunday the night Jets. football next week. I believe you're right. Is this week 10 coming up? Yes. Week 10 is like the worst schedule of all schedules in the NFL. Oh, it's brutal. Um, you get... The Bears and the Panthers on Thursday, a night that's already bad football because it's a short <laughs> week. Then you get Colts and Patriots at 9.30 in the morning on Sunday, barf. And then I think we get, like, locally we'll get Browns, Ravens, and Packers, Steelers. Packers, Steelers could be okay, but Packers are terrible. Uh, the the national TV game on Fox is Giants-Cowboys. Giants, and then Sunday vomit. night, vegas and Jets, and then Monday night, Denver and Buffalo. Oh, my dear God. <laughs> terrible. There's a terrible week of football coming up, and you get it started on Thursday with the Bears. But you look at the Chargers last I took care of business. I had a buddy text me, oh, Zach Wilson looks doesn't look terrible. I'm like, he was well, sacked eight times. Well, yeah, it was like, uh, terrible doesn't mean good. He said, oh, I didn't say good. I just said not terrible. But Chargers win this game Despite not reaching 200 yards of total offense, they held uh, the Jets to three of 17 on third down, forced three fumbles, turnovers, and um, just ran away from it. It was 14-0 at the end of the first quarter. You knew this game was over. If you, if you suffered through that game last night, it must be a glutton for punishment. All the national media keeps talking about when Aaron Rodgers is coming back. You That's really no. think Aaron Rodgers is going to save the Jets? We said at the beginning of the season they weren't going to be any good. Maybe a fringe playoff team, but they're not a, a real AFC contender. Maybe with the Aaron Rodgers of five years ago, but not the Aaron Rodgers now. But just a lifeless effort out of the Jets last night. Hopefully, hopefully, this won't happen, but hopefully people can jump off the uh, the Jets bandwagon here in terms of trying to hype them up as anything other than a mediocre football team. Uh, elsewhere in the sports world, shocking news yesterday by the Chicago Cubs. And I feel like that's an understatement. The Cubbies. I, I mean, this is an incredible move. So they are hiring Craig Council as their manager. Away uh, from the Brewers. Yeah, away from the Brewers. David Ross, obviously, <laughs> let go. Uh, and they're signing Council to a five-year contract worth more than $40 million. He'll be the highest paid manager. How about the Cubs? Wow. I like how they the, they bury the lead about David Ross yeah. coming back. <laughs> that, that that's the part that's it's like because oh I, was, I guess he's God. <laughs> well, that was my thing when I heard this news. I was like I didn't even know that David Ross was out of job. Well, he wasn't until yesterday, <laughs> apparently. And while Craig Council wasn't necessarily still with the Brewers, he was effectively a free agent come November one, and I the Brewers I guess just decided they weren't going to pay him, and the Cubs swoop in and and sign Craig Council, the most lucrative deal given to a manager in baseball history. Already Cubs fans kind of looking at this as this is our our Joe Madden type guy for this group of of Cubs. I think it's a big big signing a big for the Cubs, but how is that roster going to look? And is Cody Bellinger back? Is, are they going to find a way to get Marcus Stroman back? What, what are the Cubs going to do? Are they going to try to make a big splash? Do they come out of nowhere and go after uh, Shohei Otani? We'll see. It, it's the first step towards the Cubs trying to take that next step with this team. Still a lot to do with that roster, though. 
Yes, and and I would say it's it's an impressive first step because I don't think anyone saw this coming. That's that's the big thing. So, and with Craig Council too, his his kind of his mo is. I mean, the Brewers have been so good, and it's not like they've had they don't have a loaded roster. They're not spending two hundred and fifty million dollars to win division titles. I mean, they're they're a pedestrian in terms of middle of the road team in terms of spending. So is that what the Cubs want to do? They think that Craig Council can come in and win with a $125 million payroll as opposed to a $250 million payroll? Is that what the Cubs are trying to set up here? Not sure, but you can do a lot worse than Craig Council. Kudos to to him for getting that job. Kudos for the Cubs for landing him. Uh, stinks for David Ross, though, who, if he didn't know prior to yesterday that he wasn't coming back, he, he knows now. found out the, <laughs> uh, the, the tough way yesterday. Ugh, brutal. Uh, the NCAA has revealed its investigation findings to the Big Ten, and they are considering disciplinary actions against Michigan, including a multi-game suspension. Uh, Harbaugh and or Michigan expected to take legal action should the conference issue a suspension uh, into the alleged sign-stealing uh, scandal and in-person scouting scandal. Harbaugh, of course, has maintained Innocence this whole time Michigan has until tomorrow to respond to the conference's notice with the Big Ten. So, again, the Big Ten can also take action against Michigan uh, based on their policies. So, basically, by the by the end of this week, I think we'll have some clarity on the situation. It's a tough situation for Tony Petiti to be in because he needs to look like a sure-handed leader at the top of the Big Ten. And he doesn't want to upset other member schools and universities in the Big Ten, which I think if you don't do something, they're going to be. But what are they going to do? I think that's the thing where Tony, does he call their, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave the Big Ten? Are you going to threaten to leave the Big Ten? You're not going anywhere. And then conversely, Tony Petiti doesn't want to seriously injure a program that is still in line to win the Big Ten and get into the college football playoff and bring in a lot of money for the league. So what does Tony Petiti do? Is it a slap on the wrist? Is it, we'll investigate this more after the season? Or is it a, your punishment will come down after the season? Or does he come down hard on Jim Harbaugh in the middle of the season to appease other universities, but maybe hurt Michigan in terms of being able to reach the playoff? So I, 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 I will still be shocked if the Big Ten and Tony Petiti do something uh, substantial to Michigan in season, but anything's possible. Yeah, I, I think the other thing you have to keep in mind is the NCAA penalty. While that is separate from what the the Big Ten ever did, that was an NCAA investigation uh, talking about Harbaugh lying to NCAA investigators and, and all that. Like the NCAA would be more apt to do something than the Big Ten because, well, that's it. You know, this would be a second-time offense for Harbaugh. Meanwhile, under the Big Ten, I mean, this is kind of a unique situation for them. Yeah, and I, I, I know other, other programs want punishment laid down, but I, I feel like some of that is sour grapes because they can't beat them. Now they'll say, "Well, we couldn't beat them because they were cheating," but it, yeah, you just you couldn't beat them. I kind of feel like that's kind of where this is at with some of the coaches, but. Depends on who you ask in terms of what the punishment should be and how severe. And some people will say there should be no punishment. Of course, they're usually wearing maize and, bl- maize and uh, <laughs> blue. So 
I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's unprecedented for sure in terms of this case, but I will be surprised if the Big Ten hand, hands anything down that seriously impacts the chances of Michigan to reach the playoff. College basketball season tipped off last night, and we'll get to Purdue in a moment, but Michigan State, a stunning loss at home to James Madison, the number four Spartans, lose 79-76 in overtime to the Dukes. The Dukes get their program's second top 25 win. Meanwhile, Michigan State, their second loss as a top five ranked team at home against an unranked foe. I mean, the, the Dukes won the... Was it the Atlantic Sun last year? So uh, Sun Belt. Sun Belt. So a they good, were twenty-two and one last year. Okay? Good program. So I'm not putting as much stock into this. Like it, it's a bad lot, but this isn't. You're not losing to a, a D two or D three or something here. I mean, James and, Madison's a really good. And program. I assume they weren't eligible for the NCAA tournament. They lost in the semifinals last oh, year, and they didn't journey. get an at-lar- at-large okay. bid. Yes. So it's the first home November loss for Michigan State since 1986. Obviously not the way you want to start the season if you're the Spartans, but there are worse teams to lose to than James Madison. Tyson Walker, huge game in the loss, 35 points for the Spartans, also had six steals. Michigan State finished one of 20 from three. three. Not going to get it done. The importance of the three ball, once again, showcasing itself last night a couple other notes before we get to Purdue the Pacers with a historic win last night 152 points tying the franchise record in a win over the Spurs and the and uh, Rick Carlisle became the 14th coach all-time to reach 900 career wins uh, so congrats to him as Pacers easily dispatched the Spurs Victor Wimbanyama in his debut in Indy uh, good but obviously not good enough as Indiana gets just a massive win in this one. They could have gone for more, but they, they held off at the end. I can't 152 figure, to 111. I can't this figure out a the team, Pacers. It's a team that yeah. gave up 155 points last week. You have a team that is hot and cold defensively. Offensively, you know they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. There's no yeah. doubt there. But defensively, you, you're not sure what you're getting. Buddy of mine sent me a picture. He went to the game, Victor Wembanyama pregame. Like, I mean, he understands seven four, and then you see him standing around <laughs> really tall people, and then you just it hits you different in terms of how big he is. But as you mentioned, thirteen and ten last night for Wembanyama. It was an opportunity for Pacers fans to see him. I, we're seven games in. It's still too early. I just don't know who this Pacers team is. It's just up and down, up and down. You give up one fifty five, you come out and score one fifty two. Guy has a good game. Guy's terrible. Like Tyrese Halliburton, really good. Next game, who knows? Uh, Opie Toppin, really good game last night. Next yeah. game, who knows? I, 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 it's, it's, it's early still, but you would like to see some sort of consistency at some point. Um, it just, I don't know. I mean, they lost to Charlotte a couple days that ago. That was a bad loss considering Halliburton had a career night. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you, you the bad loss to the Celtics last week, a bad loss at home to Charlotte. And you come back and roll San Antonio, who I get is not, isn't good, but I don't know. Uh, where's the consistency out of the Pacers? This it's it's super early, like you said, but they look more like a play-in team than a playoff team currently. Currently, yes, seven of eighty-two, plenty of basketball to be played, but where's the consistency? That's going to be the biggest bugaboo all season right now, I think, for the Pacers. 
Meanwhile, from one 7-4 player in Victor Wimbanyama to another in Zach Eady, uh, three things that I thought really stood out to me in this one. Okay. So all the videos and all the hype going into this matchup about the opening tip. Zach Eady <laughs> and Dallas Graziani. Uh, it actually happened. No, it was not close. Uh, Graziani didn't even get a hand on it, let alone even look like he attempted to jump. Uh, the the he's five so seven great. and a half. Zach Eady seven four. Uh, the most anticipated jump ball in school history. That's what Purdue tweeted out, which was I thought outstanding. Uh, so that was the first thing. So Graziani didn't stand a chance in the tip after all his offseason training. Uh, the other thing, Samford missed two free throws early on in this game, which was huge for the Purdue fans in attendance because. Uh, if an opposing team misses both free throw attempts on a two-shot foul, all fans receive a free Slim Chicken's chicken sandwich oh, the following day and the, by showing your ticket. And that's huge for college kids, man. I remember yes. that stuff. Like if you, your entire day was dictated by being able to get free food one day. Uh, Samford won Twitter last night. So they, they took this picture prior to the jump and said, hang it and tagged the Louvre. <laughs> uh, and pretty hysterical. So those were t- those were a couple of the key things, and then finally on the actual basketball court, uh, Miles Colvin, he could be highlight reel material for the Boilers this year. I get it's the opening game, but you saw what Purdue has been lacking. It was athleticism at the guard position, a guy who, who is a playmaker, and you saw glimpses of that last night. I mean, with this Purdue team, though, the thing is, where are the minutes for even someone like him? Because Early on in the season, they're going to go 15, 16 deep. And you got to eventually find yourself in that about 10-man rotation to be a part of it. It's going to take a lot for somebody to break into that uh, that equation. I mean, you look at Caleb first that was off the bench again, had double-digit minutes. You're going to see a lot of, uh, when you're in games like this, and we, we talk about it all the time, you're going to shrink your bench once you get into the uh, Big Ten season, or at least close. So you look at guys that maybe are fringe dudes right now when you look at Waddell and Berg and how these guys are going to fit in. The, the, the Boilermakers aren't routinely going 11, 12 deep. But um, we'll see going forward what they can do. Purdue hasn't lost a non-conference regular season game since December 8th, 2020 at Miami. They can break the school record later this week consecutive wins in the non-conference and they've won now 25 straight regular season win regular season games over a non-conference foe and the other thing for the boilers 16 of 29 from three so they came out shooting hot from outside cam heidi uh three of four from three also fletcher lawyer hit some early threes Braden smith as well just 16 and 11 for zach Eady, but they didn't need him to play a lot of minutes in this one just 20 minutes in the game and, and Lance Jones getting the start. So we, we'd heard a lot going into the season that Lance Jones may be more of a, a key piece than we think. And, and well, he started game number one and, and we'll see how that plays out over the course of the season. Boilers again, easy one, 98 to 45 over Samford. I think when I look at it and, and, and when we talk about what can we learn about Purdue mm-hmm. early in the season, it's not very many questions. I want to see how Trey Kaufman run plays. Yes. And had 14 minutes last night, only took a couple shots, made a three, five points, five rebounds, three assists. I mean, it was it was good for 14 minutes. You hope to see more, but 
in a game like this where you were rotating guys in and going 12, 13 deep, you're not going to see it. But I think in the non-conference, that's one of the things that Purdue fans can keep an eye on is how does Trey Kaufman Wren develop and can he be a bigger weapon this season? If TKR can be the guy that people were hyping him up to be going into the season, that is huge for Purdue. As he's a guy that's probably going to be playing the four most right. of the season. And it would be just another weapon if if he can develop and be the guy that Purdue fans have hoped he would be. Meanwhile, one other note on college basketball, and we knew the cupboard was pretty bare for Micah Shrewsbury to start the season. But how about this? The Irish get the win over Niagara. Maybe that's not necessarily the notable part. They went 70-63 to in the season opener last night in South Bend. But the notable part in this one, Marcus Burton, Mr. Basketball, comes in as a freshman, 29 points in his opening game. Outstanding performance. Just a phenomenal performance by him. 11 of 20 from the field, played 34 minutes, also had four assists, four rebounds. The only, well, no, only other player that finished in double digits for Notre Dame off the bench was Kerry Booth. Who was a transfer, right, from yes. Penn State? Yep. So uh, when we talk about mixing guys in and going deep, for comparison, Purdue played, I think, six, all 15 guys last night. Notre Dame played eight last night. So Micah Shrewsbury is looking at a team that he needs to get as many reps together as possible with so many new faces. Only went eight deep last night. It was a close game, too, so that dictates it as well. But the uh, Irish get the 70-63 to 63 win with Marcus Burton just showing out in his first game in college. It's going to be a tough first season, uh, but a good start for the Irish last night in South Bend. Coming up on the other side, I'm already seeing the chatter here lately, and it's the revisionist history involving C.J. Stroud. We'll get to that on the other side. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, throwing it back to the 90s here on the rejoin. And I forgot to get to this last segment, but we have tickets to give away today, tomorrow, also Thursday. So today and tomorrow, we'll be giving away a four-pack of sweet tickets to see Purdue-Fort Wayne and Andrews at the Coliseum. So you can enjoy the suite at the Coliseum. Um, let's just do Andrews. Andrews, uh, again, with an S. As our keyword, we'll pick a winner at the end of the show. Again, text Andrews to 46862. Again, Andrews to 46862. And you can sit in the suite for the Dons for their home opener as they take on Andrews at the Coliseum coming up on Thursday night. You will need to pick up the tickets here. So um, and just make sure you build that in uh, to your time. But again, text Andrews to 46862. We'll pick a winner the end of the show. Don's tip off the season tonight at DePaul. Well, a pregame at 845 tip at 9 o'clock here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Meanwhile, IU opens the season down at Assembly Hall tonight as well against Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, tip at 630. And Ooh, you can hear that tip. one. Yes. Purdue had the early tip last night. IU with the early tip tonight. Uh, tip at 630. You can hear that on our sister station, WoWo 92.3 FM. So that is how you catch college basketball around the state tonight here at our group of stations. So a lot of texts coming in already for good. those tickets. And, so and again, we'll, we'll give away another four pack tomorrow and you can also win on the sports rush 
today and tomorrow as well. So we want to we want to pack the suite, give you an opportunity to win suite tickets, see Purdue Fort Wayne open up the season coming up Thursday night. So everybody will be in one suite. Yeah, what's going on? Ooh. Yeah, so it could get wild. So you, it could get crazy. So you can just bad mouth the morning show to your peers. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the people that win them in the morning show will badmouth the afternoon show and the people that win them on the afternoon show will bet. Maybe we'll just have an absolute brawl. Maybe it'll be suite. like a sharks versus jets situation. Yeah, there you go. Everybody comes in with their leather jackets and snapping their fingers and stuff. Yeah, and I'm not talking Winnipeg jets no, and San Jose talking, sharks. It's West side story, right? Yes. <laughs> I thought, okay. Glad we're on the same wavelength, but yes, yes. Andrews to four, six, eight, six, two. We'll give away those tickets later on in the show. All right. So I'm already starting to see this chatter pop up. On social media. And it's frustrating because we've seen this before with a star player in an Indiana team. We'll get to that a a bit further on. But CJ Stroud, no doubt, is off to an incredible start this season in the NFL. I don't think anyone's doubting that he is, at least so far, the, the rookie of the year. Right? He's had a lot of success. He's done a great job. He's limited turnovers. All the things you'd want out of a rookie quarterback... He's pretty much answered the bell and then some with what he's done. Uh huh. Great season, 14 touchdowns, only one pick, thrown for over 2,200 yards so far, uh, completing uh, over 62% of his passes. So it's been a great start. Yeah, I think the most impressive thing for CJ Stroud has been limiting the turnovers. You, you see it so many times with young quarterbacks and thinking they can make throws that they could make in college that they can't make in the NFL. And that takes a bit of time to learn. But C.J. Stroud has been tremendous in protecting the football. And make no mistake, this is still a, a offensive line for Houston that isn't very good. He was sacked 11 times in the first two games of the season. And the Colts benefited from that patchwork offensive Absolutely. line early on when, when the Colts beat the Texans this season. And Stroud had a huge game in that one, but it was all trying to come back in that one they were playing from behind. And Stroud himself, we knew going into this, he had the the highest floor of any of the quarterbacks. Not necessarily the highest ceiling. That was always going to be Anthony Richardson. Between Richardson, right, uh, Stroud, Young, and Levis. Now, as far as the measurables, Richardson and Levis were, were above the other two. We knew Bryce Young his size would be a question mark. And so far, I think that is still very much a question mark. And you talk about Stroud making plays and limiting turnovers. Young has done the exact opposite of that. And we saw that on Sunday. Yes. I mean, he's trying to make plays. He's trying to do something with not a lot to work with. I I think Stroud does benefit from having decent players to throw to. But Decent, not spectacular. Yeah, not spectacular. Tank Dell's turned into a, a great player. And I think that's a lot on CJ Stroud, not, not necessarily on tank Dell, but already I'm seeing this chatter that fans are saying the Colts should have picked CJ Stroud over Anthony Richardson. <sighs> okay. First off, number one, that's not possible. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like this is the thing that drives me nuts. So would have traded higher. Yeah. The, the Colts didn't have the second pick. The Texans did the Texans picked Stroud. Number two, the Colts picked Richardson. Number four, like it wasn't an option. Stroud was already off the board. So that coulda, woulda, shoulda is just bogus because he wasn't available. Like, and I'm already seeing this pop up, and and I don't understand because we've seen this before uh, with a, a top player. And who could forget that the Pacers drafted Kawhi Leonard, right? But let's remember, 
in the NBA, he was drafted and traded. And he was drafted and traded because that was part of the deal with the Spurs. Correct. Like, it wasn't like he was a Pacer and the Pacers traded him away, like, after draft night or into the season. No, it was it was a draft day trade for that deal. So, yes, Kawhi Leonard wore a Pacers hat because the NBA has it all mixed up in terms of how that works and it adds to the confusion. But it's the same thing. Kawhi Leonard was never an Indiana Pacer beyond wearing that hat for the photo op. I, uh, yeah. And, and Pacers fans are still like, oh, remember the Pacers drafted Kawhi? It's like, okay, he was, he was drafted as part be, of a trade. Yeah. It was never, it was, it was be never someone trade. who was going to be on the roster. And I feel like we're already inching toward that because fans are getting antsy because Richardson obviously out for the season with the injury, but we're already getting to this aspect where we're, we're fans are believing something that simply does not exist. Well, I, yeah, and the thing is, too, like, we're talking about half a season, okay? We can't accurately judge these guys until at least two years. And we're not even going to see Anthony Richardson until next year. So people are already saying C.J. Stroud's the best quarterback in the class, already saying Bryce Young is the worst quarterback in the class, and terrible pick. Yes, it's looking that way, but anything can happen. And also, just because you don't get the best quarterback in the draft doesn't necessarily mean you won't have the second best and still pretty, pretty damn good. I'm looking at 2020 as at least in the modern era, could go down as one of the greatest quarterback classes in recent memory. And you're looking at Burrow, Herbert, Hertz, Tua. The top four quarterbacks taken is, okay, if you didn't get Joe Burrow, you could still get Justin Herbert, you could still get Jalen Hurts, and you still get Tua Tagovailoa. Just because you don't get C.J. Stroud doesn't necessarily mean you have a bum. That's my thing. There's so many ways to go about this. We're so... So quick to judge, particularly at the quarterback position, positive or negative. Right now, it looks like C.J. Stroud's the guy. Bryce Young's not the guy. And Anthony Richardson is TBA. But this time next year, do we have a different opinion? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. this. I'm sure this opinion will probably even shift before the end of the season. Even at text comments, C.K. Colts should have went for Levis. And we've I seen mean, Will games. Levis was available. So. Yes, but I know we received <laughs> two games out of Will Levis. Granted, he hasn't been terrible. He's been pretty solid. His second game wasn't anything close to his first game. So even then, we don't know about Will Levis. That's the thing. It's just people are so quick and to judge positively or negatively. You got to let this thing play out. <laughs> Another text coming in. Come on. The Colts should have also drafted Mahomes as Mr. Irrelevant in 2017. LOL. Yeah. Uh, the Colts could not have even drafted Patrick Mahomes. They picked after. Uh, yeah, they picked after. They had the, the 15th pick. And Mahomes went 10th. Now, the Colts pick, Molly Cooker, uh, did not do well for the Colts. I know he went on to have some success elsewhere. Now, I think there's legit... If, if this was a show in Charlotte, I think there are legitimate discussions going on. Oh, yeah. Going, we should have taken CJ Stroud as opposed to Bryce Young. Well, but, and, and I thought it was weird to me in the whole process that the Panthers were always locked in on, on uh, Bryce young. And I, I just, I mean, we, we said the same thing then he's five ten and a quarter, barely 200 pounds soaking wet. He's undersized. He's going to get destroyed out there. And you know, quarterbacks at Alabama, then going on to the NFL outside of Tua, right? It's been a struggle. Uh, I mean, Jalen hurts. I guess. Well, yeah, I guess so. But he transferred. And, and I think of his, more of his success coming at 
Oklahoma, where he yeah. really developed into the quarterback, thanks to Lincoln Riley, that I, I think we see now. If, if I just, it's tough to have that conversation in Indiana about Anthony Richardson because we just don't know. We don't know yet. I think the people that thought it was a bad decision to draft Anthony Richardson are still saying now that it's a bad decision and they feel like they have the ammunition to back that up. The people that have always been on board that say it was a good pick for Anthony Richardson are still pretty, are still affixed to that because they've seen enough in his limited play and him being injured to say, well, next year we'll really find out, but we're still confident in this pick. Remember, you and I were both of the opinion that Anthony Richardson should sit and learn for the majority of his rookie season because he didn't have that playing time in college. So potentially this injury could be a blessing in that regard to sit, learn, watch, analyze, take everything in, and then apply it next year. It's just... It's a TBA, TB to be determined with Anthony Richardson. You can love what CJ Stroud is doing, and I think there's a bigger impact here with Colts fans that are saying this because CJ Stroud is in the division and saying, great, not only did we miss on CJ Stroud, quote unquote, but now we're going to have to play him twice a year. But at the same time, what would it have taken to move up to take CJ Stroud? You could the same people could be saying, well, yeah, now we have CJ Stroud, but we had to trade XYZ for him. So even then it's it's a negative. So it's a great point. You couldn't have taken CJ Stroud anyway if you would have stand, stood pat at three. And Anthony Richardson set to rejoin the Colts this week. So he'll be back with the team after having his shoulder surgery. And again, opportunity to learn and grow. And the biggest thing that I was concerned about for him was always you know, will he have the the command of the offense, the trust and respect of his teammates? None of those things were issues when he was healthy. I was so impressed with how prepared he looked, and, and the moment never looked too big for him. That wasn't the problem. The the problem, unfortunately, just was staying healthy. Well, and the- and so now he can continue to to grow on the off field aspects and learn things on the field, and and we'll see that next year, and hopefully. He'll be ready to go. The Indianapolis Colts made the decision to go for the Anthony Richardson and go with the guy with the freak athletic ability and the limited amount of starts in college over the guy that was maybe a quote-unquote safer pick and that had double the amount of starts in college as Anthony Richardson did. They made that concerted decision confident in what Anthony Richardson can do. Is it... Inaccurate? Was it was it was it a bad decision? Maybe, but we just don't know yet. Whatever CJ Stroud is doing doesn't impact my feeling on what the Colts did with Anthony Richardson yet. This time next year, yeah, I could be one of those people going, yeah, Man, the get, Colts screwed up. Get back to me after the end of next season. At least give him assuming he can be healthy. Give me a right. full year of Anthony Richardson as QB1, and then get back to me. I mean, ton, the, tons of text rolling in here I want to get to. Yeah. Uh, CK, why are you responding to morons that don't understand the sport? Well, we're here to educate we're and inform. morons. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Uh, also, CK, Colts fans are like this because there's no trust in Ursay. That's fair, but... Or Chris Ballard. Or Chris Ballard. I, to me, it's more Ballard than Ursay. Um, here's the thing, though. If... if if you feel good about your pick, like you don't have to do it as some sort of 
tying back to Ursay or Ballard, like they do get some of these right every now and then. Yeah, there are position groups that are lacking, but they get some of these right. I mean, quit Nelson. Could they have gotten more right on that pick? Right? I, I mean, come on. Yeah, you just got to give him some credit. Well, you look at here's why you need to wait. Is last year we Brock Purdy goes five and zero as a starter. He wins a couple games in the playoffs. Comes into this season and, and 49ers are a trendy pick for the Super Bowl because oh Brock Purdy. Now Brock Purdy has been solid this year, but he hasn't been spectacular. Particularly of late, he has a big problem with fumbling the football of late. And all of a sudden, we're looking at San Francisco and going, well, we don't know if they are a playoff team that can make a lot, do a lot of damage because of Brock Purdy. So we need a bigger sample size to accurately judge these quarterbacks. Brock Purdy not looking as good as he did last year when everybody was in love with him. Okay? Well, part of it's just you have more on film. Exactly. You have more on film that you can study and see strengths and weaknesses and all that. That's why Tyson Bajant had four turnovers last Sunday. First time comes out, teams don't really know what to expect, okay? Now you'll be able to see film. You can see what works, what doesn't, what their strengths, what their weaknesses are. Okay, Tyson Bajant struggles for the Bears and and turns the ball over through three interceptions, okay? So that's the thing is as guys play more games, not only do they seemingly get more comfortable, opposing teams get more comfortable in knowing what they can and cannot do. That's why still... At eight, nine games in, I'm not ready to say this quarterback is this, this quarterback is that. We can talk about what what direction they're trending in, but we can't have that conversation and say this is who they are, this is who they aren't. It's way too early. Oh, and this piggybacks off that. A, a texter at 46862 saying, non-Colts fan here, the kid has played four games for a team that was not good last year. We don't have enough of a sample size. So, yes, C.J. Stroud can have his success, but that doesn't mean that Anthony Richardson is a failure. You You can't Correct. One is not the other. It's it's okay if two quarterbacks in the same class end up being really, really good. 2020 is the perfect example. It's not a thing where, well, this quarterback is turning out and every other pick in the draft at quarterback was bad. I mean, 2020 is is pure evidence of that. It, with Josh Allen, no, Jaburo, Herbert, Hertz, Tua. You'd take any of those four guys right now particularly with Tua so far, knock on wood, staying healthy. It, it can't, it's not just a end-all, be-all, one pick, and the rest are trash. doesn't have to be like that. Another text at 46862. CK reports say Reich is in Frank Reich, one in CJ Stroud, but the new owner of the Panthers, David Tepper, decided he wanted Young, so that was that. If true, that is a very bad sign. Well, I mean, the, the Colts have done that before, right, with players. Yeah, but imagine being being Charlotte yeah, right it's, now. It's, being in Charlotte is, is it, it would be. I mean, text line in Charlotte every day would just be lit up. It'd be easy work to plan the show each and every day because you're looking at it and going, "Did we?" And, and trust me, Carolina right now would love to have Anthony Richardson at this point, even if he wasn't play, like Correct. Anthony Richardson in his current state, right? Because you at least saw glimpses. You're not even seeing that. Not really even yet seeing it with Bryce Young, with and you're Bryce seeing Young. the issues with Bryce Young that everybody kept bringing up about the size and not being able to see the field and get the balls past the line of scrimmage. How many balls has he had batted down this year? So just patience, okay? Relax, take a step back. Colts still believe they have their quarterback for the future. We're just going to have to wait till next season to see it. 
888-346-8642. Continue to text in your thoughts on this. Meanwhile, on the other side, the NBA perhaps going to make it easier to watch games, but not this year. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 46862, the text line number 46862. Uh, one more text before we put a bow on our conversation on the previous segment. Uh, CK, one concern I have for Brock Purdy is he hasn't looked the same since returning from a concussion. We were talking about quarterbacks and Richardson versus Stroud and, you know, that people looking back and again, Stroud was never available for the Colts, but fans already saying like, oh, we should have picked Stroud. It's like, well, he wasn't an option to begin with. And, you know, Brock Purdy having success early and then kind of fading. I mean, concussion. Yes. I, I don't know. I mean, he did. He did play that week, right? Yeah. And that was the game against Cincinnati. Right. And he did not look great in that game. I mean, he had moments, but he also threw what? Two picks, three picks. I know one was called back right. after a penalty. Wasn't uh wasn't ideal there. But look at look I mean it would have taken a lot to move up. Even a spot would take up a lot of time, a lot of a lot of draft capital. But uh jury's still out on all these rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, I I, I don't think you can make any snap decisions Not this yet. early it's on. It's fun to. It's easy to. You have a tendency to do it. But you just have to be more patient. Uh, meanwhile, patience growing thin, and rightfully so, for NBA fans. Because Bally Sports had, I think, three straight days of outages on Bally Sports Plus, let alone people not being able to watch on their TV provider. So, of course, they're they're offering a seven-day credit. So kind oh, of Oh, that's nice of them. Um, after the outages last week. But the NBA has agreed to a one-season deal with Diamond Sports Group and Bally Sports for just this season. Okay. So what does that mean? That means teams can take back their TV rights after this year. 15 teams, including the Pacers, have a deal uh, on Bally. Now, the NHL believed to be weeks away from cutting a similar deal. And through all of this, Sinclair is trying to buy back Bally Sports, which is just absolutely absurd to me. <laughs> the sooner Bally Sports goes away, the better for yes. everybody involved. And, and again, if you can imagine the Pacers having a you know in-market TV deal now how would that work for Fort Wayne I don't know that's a different story but my guess is they would have a streaming option that would be a lot more affordable than the $20 a month that Bally Sports Plus is currently and maybe what you can do is you can request the Pacers to let you know which games they're going to play really well and which teams which games they're going to play like trash <laughs> and maybe you can pick those games to watch because you never know what you're getting from the Pacers. <laughs> like, I don't know if it'll be that easy. This is going to be good Pacers basketball. I don't want to pay the bad basketball package. I want the good basketball package. Well, getting away from Bally, maybe it's just better to begin with because people can actually watch them. Yes, that would be a good first step. <laughs> you, would, sure. you would think that would be more of a priority. But here they are renewing their deal and sticking with the same thing because they don't know anything else. Uh, text come in and CJ Stroud looking amazing, though. Yes, he does. He has looked very, very, very good. And I think he is going to turn out to be a really good NFL quarterback. My thing is, I'm not ready to wa- to write off Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young yet. It's okay for more than one quarterback in a class to be really, really good. And sometimes it takes longer for that quarterback to develop. So, patience. Yes, patience 
Indeed. Don't forget, text Andrews to 46862. You'll be in the running for a four-pack of tickets to see Purdue-Fort Wayne against Andrews coming up Thursday night at the Coliseum, their home opener for the Dons. Uh, again, these are sweet tickets. So, again, yeah. a four-pack of sweet tickets. See the Dons coming up Thursday night at the Coliseum. They're in action tonight. Pre-game 8.45, tip at 9 o'clock. Oh, late. Oh, you at, could watch both then. Yeah, you could watch IU then and, or listen IU and then... Uh, yeah, then listen or watch Purdue Dons for and, Wayne, and, I'm sure. And DePaul I'm after. I'm sure they're on ESPN Plus, right? I believe so. so there you go. Are your night's plan. Boom. College basketball is back. Yes. There you go. I, and I'm sorry for all those that are interested in watching Maction tonight. <laughs> I am not. Yeah, Love college I, football, I, but I just remember like Maction used to be that big thing. And I know they still try to hype it up. It's just like meh. you, you had a window where it was unique, and now it's just kind of tired and played out. Well, when you had unique styles of play and you had up and coming coaches, and Western Michigan was really good, mm-hmm. and and stuff. Mac like that. is an irrelevant conference now. Oh, it's it's irrelevant is an understatement. Like there is there is no. No. I mean, even in another league, you have, okay, James Madison making noise or whatever, but like, there's just nothing. It is a, it is a football conference that is irrelevant in FBS. It's sad to say, but it's true. Just nobody cares to outside of the market. Like Toledo, you go to Toledo. Yeah. People will probably talk to Toledo Rockets football. You think anybody cares across the country about Mac football? Not no. unless you went Not to a Mac all. school. Not at all. Nobody's talking Ball State, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, uh, Ohio University. Nope. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's just reality. Text us if we're wrong. But if you got to be outside the market, you got to be like, I live in Fort Wayne. I really care about the Mac. You can't be, I'm a Ball State alum, and I really care about the Mac. Well, of course you do. I'm talking about casual football fans. Don't care. There is no threat whatsoever for anybody crashing the New Year's Six party party or anything out of the MAC. It's a pointless league right now. Coming up on the other side, the NCAA could lose billions. Yes, billions with a B. We'll explain what's going on next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two here on a Tuesday. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Coming up this hour on the show, the NCAA could lose billions. We'll explain what's happening thanks to a court decision. Also, NFL TV partners missing the mark. Enjoy your Monday Night Football on ABC while you can this year, because it might be going away. And Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports will join us around 8.30. Notre Dame losing on the road at Clemson. How do they regroup with a bye week coming up? And a couple winnable games down the stretch. Has this season been a failure for Marcus Freeman and the Irish with all the hype going in? We'll ask him about that and more. And kangaroos on the loose, but not in Australia. We'll explain what's going on there about 8.50, 8.55 or so. All to come this hour on the show. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. And you can be a winner because we're giving away a four-pack of sweet tickets to Purdue-Fort Wayne against Andrews, the Don's home opener at the Coliseum coming up on Thursday night. Again, just text Andrews. That's Andrew with an S. Andrews. The 46862 will pick a winner at the end of the show. Uh, The Sports Rush will have a four-pack to give away today and tomorrow. We'll also give away another four-pack 
tomorrow morning as well. So plenty of chances for you to win this week here on the show. Also, don't forget, stream us, 1380thefan.com, on the free 1380thefan app or on your smart speaker. All right, Justin. Uh, yes, I have a, a, a quick yes. uh, qu- uh, stat here. I know uh-huh. it's fascinating. So Taysom Hill uh, on Saturday or Sunday uh, was the first player since Frank Gifford to reach 10 career passing TDs, 10 rushing TDs, 10 receiving TDs. The closest since Frank Gifford prior to Taysom Hill Walter Payton rushed for 115 yards, caught 15 touchdown passes, threw for eight pa- touchdown passes. Ladanian Tomlinson, 145, caught 17 through seven. So Taysom Hill, 10, 10, 10, first player since Frank Gifford. Wow. To ever do that. I thought that was an interesting stat. That is fascinating. And, and the sad part is when the Colts play the Saints, you knew anytime Taysom Hill was in the game, he was going to touch the ball and the Colts still couldn't stop him. <laughs> still couldn't stop him. <laughs> and one of the, Taysom Hill's one of those guys where he has a really good game, you're like, oh my gosh, they should use him all the time. And then he has other games where he's just there, he doesn't work. And they haven't been there, and you're going, why is Taysom Hill behind center? He's terrible. And then the next game would be, oh, he's got to be a CC on the field. It's, it's so weird with him. It's like really feast or famine with him. He has a role. If he does more than that role, it does not work. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. He has this, uh, he's like a max, okay, he cannot be on the field more than eight times all, all game, but it works for New Orleans and it helped them beat the Bears on Sunday. Not that they needed that much. Not they needed much help. <laughs> Tyson Bajant was throwing enough picks to make sure that happens. So the NCAA, this came down late Friday and I, I feel like this did not get a lot of publicity out there, but class action status has been granted in an antitrust lawsuit against the NCAA. So over 14,000 current and former college athletes uh, would be eligible to claim damages And this could open up payments to college athletes who played before 2021, which of course is when the NIL era kicked off. This is a pretty big deal. Uh, This is going to impact if this does move forward and the NCAA loses, which let's be honest, they've not been very good at winning these key decisions of late. That's why we have NIL. That's why we have the transfer portal. Could this be the thing that finally breaks them? I I don't see how they can operate as they do if they were to lose this case. I'm not, it's hard for me to understand. Once I hear antitrust, I'm like, I, I don't, I, this is <laughs> over my head. Basically it comes down to name image likeness stuff. It comes down to uh, media rights stuff. Uh, basically the fundamentals of, of basically it's challenging. The NCAA is making a crap ton of money and we didn't see any of it. And they're trying to get back pay from the NCAA. I, my thing is like the rules are the rules when you played, when you were a student, um, kind of wouldn't change them. It's kind of going back and it, it just, that's the way it was. But, um, we'll see. Like you said, the NCAA isn't, doesn't have a sterling record of winning these cases. Only well, other thing is, so the attorneys in the case for the plaintiffs are targeting TV rights revenue for football and basketball players. AKA they want a system of revenue sharing. So taking NIL to a, a step beyond that and revenue sharing would be the way to do that. And again, when you have TV contracts approaching a, a billion dollars, like it, to, to me, and I think we've talked about this before, the, the best case for college football is to actually split off 
of the NCAA. The NCAA doesn't have a whole lot of power over it anyway to begin with. And just have the, the Power Five conferences have their own thing. It seems like we've been heading toward that for quite some time. It's just no one is in the college football playoff. They don't want the liability. They don't want to have to shoulder that responsibility over the NCAA. No, it's going to have to be a separate organization, whether it's kind of the college football playoff that takes over everything. I'm not sure. I just hope this doesn't come down and, and bankrupt the NCAA. And we all have issues with the NCAA, I, I guess, but we kind of pile on. I do think they do a really good job with some of the lesser sports and all that stuff. Like, I just don't think it's the, the evil empire that some people like to perceive it as. I, I guess my thing is... Well, if, if revenue sharing comes based on the TV rights deals, I mean, you're looking at Division two and Division three schools being impacted mightily and not in a good way. Right. In terms of funding. But you look at some of these plaintiffs in this case, you have a swimmer, you have a women's basketball player, and you have a football player. I- I'm sorry, but the swimmer and even the women's basketball player is not getting more as much money as the football player. So how, who decides who gets what? Is it a percentage of the revenue for each sport? Because I can tell you, Arizona State swimmer Grant House isn't getting very much money. Because Arizona State swimming is not making money. So that's my thing is if this went down and you have to do some sort of rate of revenue sharing, what's the model look like? Because football players should bank. Basketball players, men's basketball players should bank. Not as much. Women's basketball players will get some money. Not as much as men's basketball. After that, who's getting money? Well, the thing is with a class action suit, a lot of times you're talking about Oh, this is a huge judgment, but with the number of people impacted, yeah, you'll get eighty nine cents. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll get ten bucks. Remember the, uh, was it Experian or who was it a couple of years ago? You know the the credit thing, and they're like saying one hundred twenty five dollar payments, and like, yeah, that sounds great, but so many people signed up, it got so much publicity. Right, you're better off getting a free year of like credit monitoring over a payment that, in all likelihood, you there's no way you would have ever seen that money to begin right. with. I can see football players saying you're making billions of dollars off us. I get that. Basketball, men's basketball, even women's basketball, I can see it. Yes, you're making hundreds of millions of dollars off us. Every other sport, you're being financed by the teams that make money and the programs that make money. The NCAA uses the TV money from the March Madness TV contracts and, you know, they, they show this where the money goes. I mean, it's going to scholarships across the board. It's not just Division One; it's Division Two; it's Division Three. It's basically keeping athletic departments afloat in these smaller divisions and giving those players the same opportunities to, to have scholarships and to have programs and, and postseason play. That is heavily impacted if this goes through. So it's easy to be excited about, oh, the NCAA is going to have to pay out all this money. You're not getting a lot of money. But yeah, how much are the players getting? And also, how much is it impacting Division Two and Division Three? Because all the focus, and and to be fair, monetarily, rightfully so, is usually on football in Division One. But there are a lot of other sports, two other divisions. There are many more athletes. Thousands of people impacted. Yes. Tens, hundreds of thousands. 
Here's my thing too, is let's say, let's take the University of Florida, for example, and you know, let's use a round number and say $100 million. Let's say Florida football brings in $100 million to the university. If all of a sudden Florida has to start paying out to athletes of the Florida football program, okay, let's say they only have $90 million instead of $100 million, okay? So that's going to be significantly less money going into the coffers of the Florida Athletic Department to pay for soccer programs and baseball programs and softball and tennis and golf and field hockey and everything, gymnastics. Swimming and diving. That's less money going to those programs. So you're hurting yourself in that respect a little bit too. It's this... I understand the upper echelon athletes in the in the big sports thinking that they deserve a more of a piece of the pie, but I'm sorry, the swimmers, the gymnasts, the baseball players, the softball players, the t- you don't. You don't. You're lucky if you have a scholarship and you're getting your your college paid for. If you're a college swimmer and you owe nary a cent when you graduate, that's your reward. And trust me, that's becoming a bigger and bigger a uh, financial burden for people that do have loans. So that's kind of my thing is I, I don't listen to, to, to swimmers and divers and wrestlers and stuff and saying, Oh, we deserve money. No, you don't because you're not making money for the university. You're being subsidized by the other sports. That's my big thing. We'll see what the, the next steps are in this case. But again, this is a long process. It's not like something's going to be decided very quickly here. So, We'll see how this plays out, but it's it's fascinating because if this does go through, this could be the, the thing that actually forces major and drastic changes and completely changes how sports are done uh, at the collegiate level. It's a story to watch, for sure. Another story to watch coming up next. If you've enjoyed Monday Night Football back on ABC, well, enjoy it this season because people want to take it away from you. We'll explain what's going on there on the other side. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Don't forget, you can text Andrews to 46862. Again, Andrews to 46862, being the running for a four-pack of sweet tickets. See Purdue Fort Wayne, the Mastodon's home opener, coming up Thursday night at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning. Don's tip off the season tonight at DePaul. 845 pregame, 9 o'clock tip here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. So Monday Night Football this season, and, and we understand why this was done, but it's been on ABC as part of a simulcast. And other outlets, a.k.a. the other TV partners, are complaining to the NFL about this move. Now, we all know why the games are on ABC. It's just simply, well, ABC needs inventory because of the SAG after a strike, the, the actor strike. And so they're just trying to fill in some gaps and try to give people some programming, some live programming, help ratings and to help sell more ads. I mean, what else would you try to do in the TV business, right? Uh, you want to sell advertising. Now, this is a situation where the NFL has an opportunity because I think what other sports are realizing is that they have been forced, that in particular, we talked about it last hour, due to 
Bally Sports and Diamond Sports Group, the, the bankruptcy there, they have been forced to reevaluate how they do TV. The NFL, on the other hand, is is had a largely broadcast network focused TV offering for a long time up until you know Monday Night Football moved to ESPN and then uh, Thursday Night Football moved from at one point what it was on NFL Network and then it was on Fox and then it was on CBS and now it's on Amazon Prime which was a huge shift for the NFL for other sports that wouldn't be as big of a deal but for the NFL big deal uh, so the NFL is as a is at a point where Yes, they other TV networks can be upset, but wouldn't the NFL want their product on more network TV broadcasts? Like, isn't this like a no-brainer? Like, sometimes you gotta make some other people angry to make sure eyeballs are on product. And one thing the NFL has been really good at is getting eyeballs on product. And why not in this situation take advantage of your greatest strength, which is your your TV package that is accessible for a lot of people up until the Amazon Prime deal, but very accessible for a lot of people. Well, I mean, the problem is with uh, with ABC is you have Monday night programming that are that's usually on. Is that but, more lucrative? But not because than the of the, the actor strike. Not right now, but the actor strike is going to end eventually. So that's my thing is, and, and, and Monday night football used to be the premier game of the week. It no yes. longer is. No, Sunday night not. is that night, right? So you're not getting the best games on Monday night football. So I just don't know if, if, if ABC is willing to play that game and say, maybe if you gave us better games, if you gave us better than Rams or chargers jets, maybe, but I I just, I don't think this is something that the NFL is going to do. They already own Sunday night. Obviously. I don't know if they want to do both Sunday and Monday. I don't think, I don't think ABC wants to quite frankly. So it's two to tango. Everybody would probably want the NFL, but at the same time, you have a deal with ESPN to be that sole partner. And that would be rewriting that contract as well, which wouldn't be easy. I know they're all the same entity, but still. I think the other thing though, is like you're starting to get away from what makes fans happy about the NFL is that, you know, when the games are on, you know, the times and you know, the networks, but now you're going to have a streaming game on Peacock later this season you're going to have a playoff game on Peacock. You have Thursday Night Football on Prime. And I get it. You you have to change with the times a little bit. But the NFL has been largely bulletproof in, in this scenario as far as the TV deal. And just think about how angry people are going to be for that Peacock regular season game. And especially for that playoff game on Peacock. There'll be some outrage for sure. But, but what if anything... The Amazon Prime Thursday Night Football has proven is that the NFL can make that move and still get massive ratings for Thursday Night Football. People have committed to the level of getting Prime where the NFL is happy and Amazon is happy. So I think there's a little bit of arrogance involved with the NFL saying we can do whatever we want and put these games wherever we want and people will watch. And that's the thing is the only way to fight back against it is not watch. So if enough people said we're not getting Prime, or if enough people said we're not getting Peacock to watch the NFL, then it would force the NFL's hand. But they are confident in enough people getting the the streaming service to make it financially viable. Not to mention the fact that they're getting paid a crap ton of money. Oh yeah, money always talks. That's the bottom line for the NFL. And they'll that's the they'll big alienate thing. 
anything for money. I mean, a lot of people will. True. <laughs> that is true. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But if you don't like it, don't watch. If enough people don't watch, then maybe something changes. That's the big thing. Will something change in South Bend after this season? We'll talk with Tom Loy about Notre Dame, their offensive struggles through the season, Marcus Freeman year two compared to year one, all that on the other side here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny. don't forget you can text Andrews to 46862. Again, Andrews to 46862. And win a four-pack of tickets. See Purdue-Fort Wayne against Andrews at the Coliseum coming up Thursday night for the Dons men's basketball home opener. Again, Andrews to 46862. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning. Uh, We'll have a giveaway on the Sports Rush today and tomorrow. Also on our show tomorrow morning as well. So plenty of chances to win. See the Dons in action at home. Dons in action tonight on the road at DePaul to kick off the season uh, in Chicago. Joining us now on the guest line, it is Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports. And, and Tom, before we get to Notre Dame football, shout out to Micah Shrewsbury and Notre Dame basketball. Marcus Burton, outstanding debut for the Irish last night. I know it's early in the season, and it could be a long road ahead, but it seems like the hometown kid is already off to an outstanding start. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Fun to watch. Love the way he tacked the basket. Um, he, was, he was exciting every time he was on the floor. Um, you kind of didn't know what he was going to do next, and um, love the way he got to the rim. Um, showed great vision. Got got a lot of his teammates involved. Um, it was it was it was fun to see, man. It was very exciting, high you know up tempo, and uh, it wasn't exactly a you know they didn't beat a world beater, but it was uh, it was a nice way to start. You didn't want to see a lot of teams lost last night. Um, I know I think Michigan State was one of them. There was a lot of some upsets, but. Nice to see Notre Dame kind of get things started on the right track. All right, Tom, we're heading into the bye week, the second bye week for Notre Dame. What's kind of the, the macro look now when you look at through the first 10 games, the disappointment that's Clemson, and and I guess just an overarching view and impression of where Notre Dame football is at this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, you're 7-3. and three. Um, Very easily could be 10-0. and 0. You know, you could be any of those. In between seven and three and ten and zero at this point, it's kind of kind of wild. It's been a it's been a tough season in terms of just letting things kind of slip away, um, and just you know the ball not bouncing the right way, and you know maybe a play call or two changes here and there, and maybe you get an additional stop changes the outcome of the game. And it's just it's been a it's been a tough season from that perspective for for Notre Dame fans. But I think that you know when you're kind of looking at the last second half of the season um it's, it's a far cry from where they looked at the start of the season especially on the offensive side of the ball so i think that's where there's a lot of finger pointing going on and i don't mean it at notre dame i just mean from a fan perspective and you know the the message boards at irisillustrator.com and 24 7 sports it's just a lot of it's pointing at jared parker and and the offense and i think a lot of people are even taking it a step further and just saying like you know this is more on marcus freeman and you know, maybe the admin and not letting them get their guy, whether it was Ludwig last year from Utah, the offensive coordinator, and just things like that. So everybody's looking for an answer, and, and I think in the building, um, I think things are a lot more calm, cooler heads are prevailing, and just nobody's in a rush to, you know, freak out, make changes, things like that. And obviously that could 
that could change today or tomorrow at a moment's notice. Um, we saw that at USC firing their defensive coordinator. But I don't think that people at Notre Dame are, are you know, freaking out too much. This, this is a team that lacks a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I think they have a very good quarterback in Sam Hartman, but they have a lot of young receivers. They've had some receivers out with injury for most of the year, and, and that's been a problem. You know, you've got guys like Jaden Thomas, Jaden Greathouse, who are still banged up and battling through it. Jaden, I don't believe, played at all uh, against Clemson. And Jaden Thomas, I mean. Um, Jaden Greathouse is battling injuries. You've had Deion Colsey out. You've had Matt Salerno, which, you know, people used to scoff at that. But that kid is a playmaker, and he's got really good hands, and he seems to get open, uh, just like Jordan Faison does the other freshmen. So it's just, again, though, when you look at the big picture, I'm not talking about, you know, guys that are up for the Bolitnikoff and, you know, for the best receiver in America. That's just not the, the guys that are there right now. But there, there's guys that, there are, that are freshmen that will grow into being some really good players, but, like, they're just not there yet. And, and you can't really expect that too much when you're at a program like Notre Dame. So it's just been a lot. It's been a lot to deal with. Um, I know a lot of the frustration was why aren't they running the football more, especially against Clemson. Um, you were, it's a one-score game, and all of a sudden you stop giving the ball to Audrey Estime, who was on course to have a, a monster game, and then he doesn't even crack the 100-yard mark. So I just think that there's got to be a lot of self-reflection. Notre Dame's got to look in the mirror uh, and figure this out. And, and, you know, I know it doesn't really matter in the big picture. Um, you have Wake Forest and Stanford less than a bowl game. But I think that you can – I wouldn't go as far as saying right the ship, but I think you can get things back on track enough to, okay, let's just get a little more creative. We have really nothing to lose at this point. Get creative. Try to, try to really open up the playbook and, and really make it look like this is an offense that – was more of like the first four games of the season when you were averaging 40, 45 or so points per game, and now they're just struggling. <laughs> I mean, they are struggling. That might be an, an understatement. So got to clean some things up. you got a few weeks left, and I think that like it'll leave a better taste in everybody's mouth if you can beat Wake comfortably, go on the road, and actually look good, beat Stanford, and then who knows what the bowl game's going to look like. It might be an LSU, something like that. So... Um, there's still a lot to play for, a lot of a lot of fun games left to watch, and I just feel like finish the season three and zero, and get to ten wins, and then move on and and uh, get things focused on a Big Twenty Four. Tom Loy of Twenty Four Seven Sports joins us on the guest line. Tom, since the Ohio State game, Notre Dame just twenty seven percent on third down. What? Why have the Irish struggled so mightily on third down in, in that time frame? Is there anything behind that? A lot about what I just said. I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, just not having a lot of weapons, a lot of playmakers, and I I think it, you know, also play calling. I mean, I'm not putting this just on the coaches. I'm not putting this just on the players. And I know everybody wants to you know get on Marcus Freeman for using the term uh, execute, but that's really what it comes down to. Is here's the play call, and it should work if everybody gets on the same page. But if it doesn't execute, then you got to look back at, at the as the coordinator and say, like, look, this was, we ran it exactly how you wanted it. It was covered. There was nobody open. So maybe we got to shake things up a little bit. You know, they, they got unique in, in the sense that, that they started doing some, some crossing routes, and it seemed like they were making big plays, and then they, and then they kind of got away from it, and I didn't see too many crossing routes. It was, just, it was very confusing. Um, it, just, it just felt like very patchwork. And it didn't look, nobody looked comfortable. Sam Hartman, that was probably the least comfortable I've seen him all season long. 
And I don't know if he if he if he got rattled at one point. I, I know Mark Stream brought up the pick six, but just I, I can't see that being a thing where he gets rattled. Maybe he's been doing this a long time. So, you know, when it comes to the third downs, I think you just kind of lean on guys like Mitchell Evans and the fact that he's not in the game that that hurts. But he can't be the reason you lost. We talked about this last week. Like he's not supposed to be the reason you lose Clemson. Um, the fact that he's not in the game. There's plenty of other guys that can step up. They don't even have to be elite you know, nation's best type players. There's enough guys at Notre Dame to, to make plays. Um, they've been doing it all their lives. So uh, I, I don't have the answer, and, and Notre Dame better have the answer. That's all i got to say, because if they, don't, if they don't get this right and they don't, get, they don't clean this up quickly, um, there's, there has to be some changes made. Um, I'm not saying that these people need to get fired, because I really don't think that's the case. I think that if you look next year and you look at the guys coming in and you hit the transfer portal and you, and you get guys healthy, and I think if you give if you give Parker a fair shot with you know guys that are that are healthy and and you give him some weapons and you put some guys around him, I really don't think this offense would be that bad. I don't think it'd be close to this, and I think it can actually be a a, a good, solid, successful offense. But right now, it looks really bad, and and honestly, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Mark Stream's hands were tied when it came to Parker. So I'm just curious to see how things play out the rest of the season because they better you know do whatever they can to get as creative and, and, and make this, this offense click quickly or, you know, there, there's going to be more people calling for people's jobs. Tom, I think the, a snap judgment by some people was looking now at, at a so-called lost season, even though it's not that, and, and saying, okay, bench Sam Hartman and put in Steve Angeli. I'm not put, uh, saying that, but do you think Notre Dame should mix in Steve Angeli over the next two games to give him some meaningful snaps so you get a better idea of where he's at heading into 2024 to see if you need to go in the portal? You start at Texas A&M and College Station next year, so there's no gimme to start the year. Could you see Notre Dame doing that with Angeli over the final two games? You know, my guess is that they're not going to, and I think it's going to be Sam Hartman you know, being the guy. And I just don't know if they're going to see enough on tape that just says, like, you know, he's, we, we need to kind of move forward and he's not giving us the best chance to win. Because I think that's what Marcus Freeman's going to ask himself, like, who gives us the best chance to win the football game? And I think the majority are going to say Sam Hartman. Um, but personally, I mean, if it was up to me, yeah. I mean, come and wait, wait for us at home. Um, and, again, it's a tough matchup because it's Sam against his old team. But, um, I would love to see Steve Angeli get a start. I, I would I would be stoked for him. I think he's a very talented player. I've been saying it a long time. Um, people questioned is you know why is Notre Dame taking a three star? Well, a lot of people that I talk to, um, including my own self evaluation of him, just uh, my own personal evaluation of him. Like I just I, I like Angeli. I think he's a really good player. I think he's got a big arm. He's very accurate. Throws the ball on time. And um, a lot of the, the locker room respects him. And I, and I think this would be a great opportunity for him to show what he could do. Um, I think it beats going to Stanford and throwing him in as a starter. And I think it beats even, you know, starting him as a, you know, in the bowl game, which, again, we'll see what, see what Sam Hartman wants to do, if he's going to play or not, um, especially if it's, you know, if you have a chance to get to 10 wins, Sam might be more inclined to play. Potentially Notre Dame says, hey, like you have, a, you have the NFL draft coming up. Why don't you sit this one out? No hard feelings. Like, give us a chance to start Angeli. So that could be the best chance to start him as you get all that time to prepare and, you know, the bowl game may, may make most sense. But personally, man, I would love to see Angeli get a shot. And I think it gives you – it's like, a, like an audition. You know, give him an opportunity. 
And I know they're deciding this week whether they're going to hit the transfer portal or not, but this is a, a great opportunity to give him a look, give him a fair shot so that he can't, you know, he doesn't transfer and say, well, I never really got a shot at Notre Dame. Like, this is an opportunity for everybody. And um, they need a spark offensively. So if that comes in the form of Steve Angeli, I am all for it. But they they, they got to do something. But my guess, Mark Streaming takes a safe route and uh, Sam Hartman will start the rest of the way. Tom Lloyd, 24-7 Sports with us. So back on, on Sam Hartman. He obviously had a ton of success at Wake Forest, but I think it was also overlooked that he, he never beat Clemson, did come close uh, in his final year there, had several five turnover games. Was there a, a sense that maybe he was overinflated or, or has he just not lived up to, I think, expectations that fans had for him at Notre Dame? I mean, Sam committed to Notre Dame and transferred to Notre Dame to play for Tommy Reese, and I think that that was a, you know, I think that was a, a tough one to know that he wasn't going to be playing with him. Those two, those two clicked extremely well, and that was that was big for him. But um, I just think that this was um, a tough spot for him because of the fact that like they didn't have a great receiver room, and they didn't go out and get a bunch of guys and build that thing up, and you know, guys, and then the guys that were expected to be starting, you know, some of them got injured and have missed some time, and nobody's really been all that healthy, and some guys that were expected to maybe take that next step forward haven't. So it's really a perfect storm of why Sam has not thrown um, 20 touchdown passes at this point in the season. Um, the fact that he's not going to throw, unless he actually goes nuts these last three games, the fact that Sam's not going to throw 30 touchdowns this year blows my mind. Um, even with the, the casting crew around him, I just expected the, the offense to put him in a position to um, – make more plays. Um, and, and again, this isn't like he was flawless. I mean, he made, he made plenty of mistakes. I mean, like I said, that was worst performance of the season was against Clemson. He looked rattled. He looked shaky. Um, didn't love it. And, um, but like I said, he's got 18 touchdowns, seven picks on the year. Uh, at, at this point, the fact that he's not going to hit 30 is, is pretty wild. Um, maybe he'll put something together and run off 12, 12 touchdown passes in the next three games and everybody will be singing Jared Parker's praises. But, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a tough spot. I think he is as advertised. Um, I thought he was one of the better quarterbacks in America, and, and I do believe he is that. But, you know, look around him, though. I mean, offensive line hasn't been playing as well as they should. Um, we've obviously talked about the receivers, the play calling, um, Sam not playing necessarily as well. But again, cast and crew around him. It all, it's just a perfect storm to where why Notre Dame has three losses in the year, why they could have they could be 10-0, but they're not and why everybody's freaking out right now. So it's, uh, it's been a tough season for Notre Dame, and, and they just got to get things right. Tom, we're approaching um, the early signing period that'll be in December, early signing day, and looking at Notre Dame, 23 commits right now. How much movement do you expect? Do you see any additions between now and, and even the late signing period in February? What can we expect, I guess, down the stretch for Notre Dame's class of 2024? As of right now, I'm not expecting too much movement, um, negative or positive. I don't think they're going to lose anybody, um, barring some, some late surprise that catches everybody off guard. But um, the guy that I'm probably keeping the closest eye on, I mean, just to give you some, some guys that they've been recruiting, I mean, Carter Nelson, one of the best head ends in America, he's currently committed to Nebraska, and he's from Nebraska. Um, it looks more likely than not that he's going to stick. He's been at all the home games. He's close with their quarterback commit. 
and uh, kind of behind the scenes is saying all the right things to Nebraska. And uh, he was he's very interested in Notre Dame. He loves Notre Dame. Took a late visit again, and but I just I expect it to be uh, him sticking with the Huskers. Uh, they've been recruiting Justin Scott, five-star defensive lineman who committed to Ohio State. Surprised a lot of people really when he committed to Ohio State, but um, he's he's kind of stuck through his through his process and, and stayed committed throughout. And it looks like he's going to stick with the Buckeyes. I mean, he's he's there's been some dialogue with Notre Dame, but it's been you know very you know the messages have been few and far between. And then Caleb Beasley is a four-star cornerback out of out of Nashville um, that's committed to Tennessee, and and he's he's stuck with his commitment as well. So um, that was a guy that Mike Mickens was hoping to flip, and and really with the success of the corners, I thought that they would have a better shot. And but you know, there's a lot of factors in play there that have kind of kept him fully locked in with uh, with the Volunteers. But the guy that I'm watching to potentially flip to Notre Dame down the strip down the stretch is Nambi Agboku. Uh, he's a Six four. I mean, some some say he's three thirty. Some say he's three fifty. Uh, defensive lineman out of uh, Garner, North Carolina, and uh, he's committed to Georgia, so that's a good sign. But a three star kid. He's so his whole process. He's been kind of keeping an eye on what Georgia's been doing along the defensive line, who they're bringing in, especially on the interior where he plays, um, and then kind of comparing it to, to Notre Dame. So he he took an official visit to Notre Dame. He's you know continued to talk to them. Notre Dame's feels pretty optimistic that they'll flip him. But again, I mean, this is a kid who's been committed to Georgia since June, and he's been locked in. The only the only school he's really been considering throughout the process is Notre Dame. So kind of curious to see how this one plays out, but um, it would be a blow for Georgia. They want him, so um, it's not like that he's, they're, he's getting cut from the class and Notre Dame just kind of pick up scraps. Uh, Georgia definitely wants to keep him. This is the one guy that, that Notre Dame's been recruiting so hard down the stretch. They want that monster in the middle, and he's a he's a really good player. I'm very excited about this kid. I'm um, kind of hoping our guys decide to bump him, regardless of what he does, uh, closer to a four-star talent because he's been playing football for less than two years, and uh, he's his tape is excellent. Um, there's a lot of upside there. So that would be a really nice late pickup for Notre Dame if they can get it done. Tom Lloyd, 24-7 Sports, joining us. Tom, as always, appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the bye week. Enjoy some some time to rest and relax. I'm sure you'll be busy, though. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. That's Tom Lloyd with us coming up on the other side. Kangaroos on the loose, but not in Australia, and an odd place. We'll explain that next as we wrap it up. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Final time here, and final time for you to text Andrews to 46862. Again, Andrews to 46862. You could win a four-pack of sweet tickets. See the Mastodons and Andrews Thursday night at the Coliseum, the Mastodons men's basketball home opener. Again, just text Andrews to 46862. Time running out. We'll pick a winner right after the show this morning. Final story of the day, and... Uh, well, kangaroos on the loose. Not a big deal, right? Except this is not in Australia. It's in Poland. Poland? Yes. Uh, uh, animal rescuers in Poland on the hunt for a kangaroo uh, in the northern part of the country. And in that process, they learned there was a second kangaroo oh, also multiplying. on the lamb. They escaped from a property about two weeks ago. Uh, local residents asked to keep their porch lights on at night in hopes of luring the kangaroo into a confined area. Um, <laughs> they, the, the group learned of the loose kangaroo shortly after the capture of another kangaroo about 18 miles away. 
They also reminded people that they are wild animals, not appropriate pets yeah. for most homeowners. How do you even get a kangaroo in Poland? Like, do I you mean, have to order it? I, I don't know. Outside of, you know, a zoo, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, maybe somebody, a zoo is closing and somebody got a hold of kangaroos, I guess? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's very, very bizarre. And there's no mistaking. Sometimes you see, oh, is that a, is that a fox? Is that a bobcat? Is it just a mean looking cat like there's no mistaking kangaroos no. they're hopping around <laughs> so that's pretty wild and loose kangaroos over in poland i mean if if i were to pick a country where a kangaroo would be loose poland would not be would on not the list. be in the top 50 <laughs> no but there they are a couple of them on the lamb hopefully we'll keep an eye on this store hopefully they uh they get they well no i'm saying hopefully oh, they continue to just yeah, continue to run? I mean, it's, the authorities it's cold in poland that's true they're Eventually, not gonna make gonna, it that's true. Let's get these marsupials uh, wrangled up here. <laughs> Thanks to Tom Loy for Justin Kinney. I'm Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick Show up next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Meet with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And the Sports Rush. Brett Rump returns today. Another opportunity for you to win PFW Suite tickets as well from 4 to 6. All here today on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.